Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So we are back with the Women's Football Podcast and this week I am joined by our own Emily Wilson. How are things in Canada, Emily? Oh, things are perfect over here. We have no more snow, finally. So I'm a happy person. How are you, Angelina? I'm not too shabby. The The weather is looking good in the next couple of days. My first weekend with outdoor dining in Berlin, the weather is set to be good. So I can't complain, really. It's all all looking good over here. Um, how about you, Nat? Obviously, we have got Manchester United Women's Supporters Club founder, Natalie Burrell, with us. What's going on in Manchester? Um, just covid restrictions are easing slowly slowly and you know it's just looking all good for both teams hopefully um but yeah other than that i'm doing really well good right well let's get uh get into some of these games and what's been happening uh in women's football i mean looking at the league in italy of course um juventus won at their fourth consecutive league title um, now, they'd already kind of been announced as champions, but it became official on the final day of the season. Juve finished the season winning all 22 league matches. So they became the first team in the Italian women's top flight to win the competition unbeaten and the first to accomplish a perfect season. Um, the latter, so that's something that men, a men or women's team in Italy had never achieved before that perfect season. I mean, Nat, what's your thoughts on them managing to, to achieve that? Oh, it's amazing. And I think, you know, if, if it was a men's team, even if a men's team sort of went um, with one defeat, you know, you would be hearing about it for days and end. So I think the fact that the Juventus women, they're, in, they're not new, but, you know, they've, they've come into the league, they've, they've set the stall out, they've said, you know, we want to achieve greatness and, you know, they've done it. Uh, you know, it's all credit to them, all credit to their staff, players, management, um it's really looking onwards and upwards. And if I was any player sort of out of contract, I'd be looking at Juventus as a team to go to. Definitely, I agree. It's really exciting to see what they're doing. Um, of course, on Friday, it was announced that their manager, Rita Guarino, will be departing from the club. Um, and I think this achievement, you know, it was a lovely send-off for her. Um, now, I know that we've discussed this when it was a rumour on a previous podcast. Um Emily, do you think with her departure, I mean, I know she's been linked with the Italian women's national team. Do you think that she has maybe taken this team as far as she can, i.e. they've conquered the league, um, perhaps now get somebody in who can maybe get them, you know, a few good times in the Champions League as well, perhaps? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I have to agree with you. I think a new manager for them is going to be really good. I mean, change is good for anything. And I think it's also important to note that Juventus women, they've only been around since 2017, I believe. That's like mm-hmm. four years. So to come out and have like such a dominant league season four times in a row, and then the fourth time, like we already mentioned, the perfect season, um, league dominance has been checked off. I think... Um, next step absolutely you're going to want somebody to come in you know kind of give them a little bit of an overhaul to, to overcome the next hurdle and for Juve fans hopefully they can do it but I do think change was needed but I think the four years that she was in charge were um, as good as they could be really yeah I, I agree with that one I mean I've, I've asked before on the podcast 
I'll ask again because um, I like repeating myself. Um, are there any ideas for who could maybe take over now? I mean, Sky Sports have reported that the club are confident of replacing her with former Arsenal manager Joe Montemurra. Now, we thought that he was taking time off to be with his family. So I'm kind of looking at him sideways if this is the truth. What do you reckon, Nat? No, I think it is the truth. I think Sky Sports are good sources. So I think it is the truth. I think he potentially was looking at, you know, spending time away from his family. But maybe, like you said, Juventus have only been going four years and now, you know, they've, they've dominated that aspect. And it's like, what's the next stage for them? And Joe has experience in Europe with Arsenal um, taking them quite far. So he will want to sort of cement that as listen, I've, I've, I, I'm going to be the one to take you far in Europe. Um, and obviously it was an offer too good to turn down. So I think fair to play to Emily's. It's not a job, you know, for Arsenal fans. They can't be upset. It's a job outside of uh, WSL. So fair play to him if it is him. Yeah, true. I mean, like you say, I guess you might have plans to do A, B, C or D. But if Juventus come knocking at the door, I guess it's hard to say no. Um, obviously joining Juventus... Um, in that second Champions League spot is AC Milan. Um, great to see another kind of powerhouse club be in the Champions League. Um, Emily, are you looking forward to seeing them in the competition? And what are your expectations for them, shall we say? I think it's going to be super exciting. It's a super great accomplishment for Milan. Um, I think even in the league, they kind of gave Juve a run for their money. I mean, early on, the title race was closer than it ended up being in the end in terms of points. But I think, you know, coming into the Champions League, they have absolutely nothing to lose. So in some cases, that's where you get like the best underdog stories, you know, whether it's group stages, round of 16, whatever it may be. Um, personally, I don't think they're going to go too, too far um, just because they're fairly new in the competition. But on the flip side of that, I don't see them getting smoked either. Like, I don't really think yeah. anyone's going to really thrash them. Again, I think the underdog story is going to be a thing. Um, like I could see Milan holding their own against Atleti. Who knows? I, I think that's possible. So it's going to be interesting. Very excited to see them in it, though. Me too. Um, I, I was kind of of that same opinion where you look at them and think, obviously, you don't expect somebody to walk into the Champions League and head to a final. But at the same time, like you say, I can't imagine them crashing out terribly. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I'm definitely excited to see see what they bring to the table. Um I mean, looking at the Italian league in general, there have been, you know, some really great performances from players, from teams, you know, like like I say, individual and group performances. But um, Nat, I was just wondering, like any team really, but who has been your player of the season? Who's really stood out for you? Well, obviously, uh, Juventus top goalscorer and top goalscorer in the league, Christina Greeley. I'm not very good at names, but she's done well. And then I think um, a young striker from Malta, Hayley Badeja, 17, she got about 12 goals. She's one to watch for the future for me. Definitely. Um, I've, I've, I'll be honest, the, the, the Malta player I'm not as, as clued up on, but yeah, I mean, Juve's top goal scorer. You, you cannot go wrong there, definitely. It's been an amazing, um, amazing season for her. Um, Emily, are there any clubs that you're hoping have a good so I mean we want everyone to have a good summer but are there any clubs you've kind of got your eye on that could actually 
perhaps join the likes of, I mean, you've got AC Milan that, like you've said, you know, have been challenging Juve to an extent. Sassuolo, you could argue, are kind of, you know, like a little bit closer to Milan and Juventus. Um, are there any other clubs that you're hoping can kind of bridge that gap? Uh, well, first of all, I think Milan and Sassuolo, they're going to be back and challenging Juve just as much as they did this year next season. Mm. Um, but to be honest, I was surprised to see Fiorentina drop off so far. I was as well. Yeah, I mean, I looked back at a couple of the tables and they were really the only challengers in the last few seasons up mm. until this year. And then, I mean, given that history alone I, I wouldn't count them out next season so you could have potentially four fighting for it uh who knows but I mean other than that those three and then Juve I think there's a bit of a gap in between the rest of the teams so mm -hmm. I think it's going to be kind of a four club four club race we'll see how close it actually gets I mean I I will not I'm not mad at a four club race because I mean one place <laughs> where there's not a four-club race, if we're being completely honest, and that's Spain. Um, after being crowned, you know, winners of the Champions League, they've won the league, Barcelona didn't think, let's have a bit of a rest. No, they've continued their winning ways. They beat Athletic Club 8-0 in the week, um, and then they beat local rivals Espanyol 3-2. Um, Nat, I mean, to have scored eight goals... <laughs> Eight after such, you know, a draining and emotional experience like a Champions League final is. Well, I've never played one, but I would imagine it is quite draining. Um, you know, that's amazing. And I mean, does this just prove how strong their mentality is and obviously how good their players are? Yeah, 100%. I mean, even the the 3-2 uh, versus Espanyol, I was watching it and Espanyol went, went ahead Um and, you know, obviously they fought back to two and then they ended up winning in the last minute. And I think those games as well, you know, it's great when you see teams scoring a lot of goals. But I think the tight games uh, where you win sort of last minute, that can show just how strong your mentality is and, you know, how together uh, the team is, you know, fighting till the end. That's what we love to see in football. You know, yes, they're dominating Barcelona now, home and abroad, but... You've just got to tip your hat to them and say, well done. And um, this is the level that everyone needs to aspire to be at. Definitely. I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, you know, lo looking at the league table, um, and I mean, we've got to talk about Real Madrid and, and Levante. You know, Levante have had two draws, um, you know, a few weeks ago. Real Madrid have managed to capitalise on this. They're now in second place. It's kind of theirs to lose in a way because, you know, Levante are one point behind in third. All they can do is just keep trying to win. I mean, Real face, Sociedad, um, Santa Teresa, Granadilla, Tenerife. Emily, do you think that Real Madrid can hang on? I know, Alejandro, wherever you are listening to this podcast, you'll be screaming, yes, of course we can. Um, but Emily, <laughs> what do you reckon? You know, I, I personally think it's going to be a close one, too. Mm. I looked back at some of the games um, just in the calendar, and they've dropped points um, a, few, a few weeks back, like end of, end of April, I believe, and then earlier in May. But, you know, those two games in particular were against lower table clubs. And I was mm. like, okay, that's a little shaky heading into it just because there's not a lot of time left, and nothing's really cemented. Um, I think... Real Sociedad is going to be obviously the biggest test because they sit in fourth. But honestly, I think the game-changing match could potentially be the one against Granadilla. So 
then actually they played against Barcelona and they only lost one nil. And I mean, Mm -hmm. to limit a Barcelona side, like what we just talked about, who can put eight past, you know, no problem to limit them only to one. That's that takes some work to do. Yeah. So I think it's going to be tough for Real Madrid. But I mean, if they can hang on, it's going to be a huge milestone. They'll definitely be setting their sights on it. And obviously, at the end of the day, it's Real Madrid. So don't don't count them out. That's that's a stupid thing. So it's going to be close, but I think I think they'll manage to get through. Yeah, and take a place. I I agree. Um, I feel like it's just that that Real Madrid mentality, like we've spoken about on the podcast before. I just feel like that there's just it's just going to be drummed into them. Like you cannot mess this up. This is not happening. Mm-hmm. It's not an option. Like it's and and I just know like what Alejandro said before, like you know they won't even be celebrating that they got second. They'll be like, yeah, great, we're in the Champions League. What's next? That's just the Real Madrid way, isn't it? And I just um, I can imagine the talks. Like, listen, we're not messing this up. Don't even think about it. Like, just stay focused. Um, I mean, you know, the fact that Real Madrid have been able to overtake Levante, it just shows what, in my opinion, anyway, you know, what an impressive season that they've had. Um. Now, you know, kind of like what we're talking about with AC Milan, do you think that they'll have maybe a shock to the system in the Champions League because Real Madrid being Real Madrid, they might stroll in and think, yeah, this is our competition, we'll be fine. Um, Or do you you think that they'll perform just as well in Europe and they'll take it in their stride well? I think, you know, potentially it won't be the underdogs because Real Madrid, you know, they'll never be the underdogs, but Mm. it will be a case of a bit of a shock they won't. I think they'll go quarterfinals, maybe. You know, I think they will do well. Um, I think obviously they're going to add. They're going to uh, look to keep the good players that have scored a lot of goals, getting them there now, and then add. So I'm quietly confident for them. I think they'll be a surprise to a few people who might underestimate them, but I do think they have to keep their heads focused in the game and you know, not underestimate any team because once you step up a level, you can't underestimate anyone in the Champions League. I think. So true. I mean, we have seen it time and time again um, in the competition as a whole. Sometimes you just cannot underestimate people. I mean, one player that has, I mean, there's been quite a few imp- uh, players that have impressed for Real Madrid, but one in particular is, of course, um, Kosovare um, Aslani. She arrived at the club in July 2019 when they were still Takon. And obviously, since the name change, you know, people could argue that she's their first maybe Galactica signing, who knows. But, um, I feel like last season, we obviously didn't get to see the best of her due to the pandemic. This season, you know, she managed eight goals in her first eight league appearances. Um, she was named the Cinco Estrellas Mao uh, Player of the Month in April. Um, she played in all of Real Madrid's four games in that month. She scored three goals. I think she's on like 15 goals this season, 12 in the league and counting. Emily, how important was she as a signing for Real Madrid? I think she was absolutely huge. Um, personally, she had, you know, a very strong World Cup before coming into what was Tacon before. Um, but yeah, with Sweden, she really caught people's attention. And then that's how she managed to, you know, come in for this club. And lately, like you said, Angelina, she's been clutch when they need it. You know, the end of the season, um, she's pulling out the goals when they need them desperately. And even at the start of the season, I think, I think you mentioned it already, but eight goals in her first eight league mm-hmm. appearances. Honestly, like, what more can you ask for? Um, so I think she was a really, really big signing for Real. 
Um, another tidbit is her partnership with Sofia Jakobsen up front because they both play with the Swedish national team. So, I mean, just having that partnership on the pitch for the club is really important too. So I think um, it's super, super good for them to have her. It's going to be interesting to see if she stays. Um, I've seen and heard a few a few rumors throughout the season that she might not, um, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens. For Madrid fans, they're going to be crossing their fingers that she does stay because she's just a, just a clutch player. Is that because she's going to Manchester United? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so. we'll have to wait and see. Oh, right. That gives me 1% hope. I'm holding on to it. It's happening, guys. Um, I mean, regarding Levante, um, you know, there's still 11 points between them and Sociedad. Um, But, you know, looking at... I'm not going to say that Levante have, like, had some giant fall from grace because they haven't. They've just slipped up a couple of times and Real Madrid have literally been there waiting in the wings for them. But obviously, Atletico Madrid as well, it's been a bit of a shocker from them. Um, now, are you worried that maybe the likes of Levante and Atletico are perhaps falling short this season compared to Real Madrid and Barcelona? Or like I say, do you think that's a bit harsh on Levante and perhaps it's just Atletico that we should be a bit concerned mm. about? I think definitely being concerned about Atletico. I think they've had a huge fall from grace, really, considering they're in a Champions League and then now, you know, they're, they're not going to be in it next year and they're... they're around sixth position-ish. Um, Levante, not so much. I think they were sitting second for quite a while. Yes, they've had those two draws, but I wouldn't see it as anything major. They're still going to be going to the Champions League uh, three places in Spain. So, you know, I see, I'd see it as positive for them. Um, yes, they would have liked to stay in second and they'll still fight for it. But, you know, they've run Real Madrid right to the to the wire. And, you know, it was, wasn't long ago that Real Madrid were looking over their shoulders. So, as a Levante fan, I think people will be happy. Um, it's just about them keeping hold of their, their good players. You know, Esther Gonzalez, top goal scorer, scoring all their goals. Um, and there's talk that she might leave and go to Real Madrid. So it's about them keeping hold of their good players and building upon it and making sure they're ready to put up a good fight as well. Definitely. It's going to be a very interesting summer. I feel like there are going to be numerous clubs all over Europe scrambling <laughs> to keep hold of their best players, a few of which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later on um, in the podcast. Um, you know, leaving Spain now, heading over to France, um, and the title race there, it's pretty tight. One point between PSG and Lyon. Um, Emily, I wanted to ask you, what do you make of the the managerial change at Leon because it seems like things have just kind of cracked on. Things have just continued as they were. The team have still had some important wins. How do you think it's been going? Yeah, I mean, I think last time I was on the podcast, we discussed how it would, you know, take time for Leon to adjust to this change. Mm. Um, I don't think it had quite happened yet when we last talked, but yeah, so far it's it's been so good for them. I think though, you know, okay, they're putting four or five goals past their opposition but at the same time it's important to know that two of the three teams that they've played in recent weeks are second last in the table and mm. last so really comparison the third fixture there they only beat Bordeaux who I think they sit third in the table um, but they only, yeah it was one nil compared mm. to four nil five nil for the others so like you said Angelina this important game is going to be huge 
not even just in terms of the title race, but just also how the managerial change is going. Like, is it working? Um, is the club liking what they see so far? Are they liking how, like, are the players enjoying it? Who knows? But it's going to be a very tense 90 minutes over in France. Very interesting. Oh, it is. I'm going to be ill thinking about it. It's just, <laughs> it's so much tension. Um, I mean, looking at Leon, there has, of course, been one major, massive, colossal gap in the team, in Ada Hegerberg. Um, you know, since she joined the club in 2014, in, you know, something like 182 games, she's amassed 220 goals. Of course, she's been injured pretty much for like the last 18 months. Um, Nat, do you think it's a coincidence that while she's been injured, Leon have experienced some failures and shortcomings, especially in the Champions League? Obviously, the jury's still out on the league, um, but it is on the line. Do you think it's a coincidence? Well, yeah, because she's considered the best player in the world. So for any team to lose a player of that stature is going to really suffer. So, you know, I think a lot of teams have got better as well. Um, Paris being one, obviously. But losing a player like that, anyone will suffer. So I I don't think it's a coincidence that that's Mm. happened and she's been injured. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Emily, she's more than just a goal scorer for them though, isn't she? I mean, she's arguably their most important star. She's like the heartbeat of the club, isn't she? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like you already said, beyond the goals, you have the mentality that you like, the best mentality that you could ever want a player first. Then, I mean, she's also a Ballon d'Or winner. So just those things alone, but then put them together, add in the goals. It's She's a crucial, crucial part of the club. Not having her is huge. Um, but then it also goes to say you can't really put all your eggs in one basket because when injuries happen and they happen all the time, um, unfortunately, you can find yourself in a situation where it's just like, OK, what do we do now? So, I mean, personally, I think that kind of hit Leon a little bit. But if she can get back to, you know, being her full potential, being back on the pitches, we know she can be and just really, really influential that like she has in the past. I think they'll be back to um, one of the top, top clubs. I mean, they're still one of the top clubs, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Getting back to further in the competition and stuff, but it's been a really big loss for them for sure. Definitely. I mean, only, um, you know, not you mentioned just then, but only Nikita Paris and Wendy Reynard have managed to register double figures this season in goals. I mean, still great that they've registered double figures. Um, but Nat, do you think Leon should be considering adding some more strikers or some more goal scorers to the side? Or once their shining star returns, she'll make up the difference and it'll be fine? No, I think they definitely should. Um, it's like what Emily just said, you know, it's um, you know, it's one of those things where you should have players for every position. Um, I mean, I've heard a rumour today um, that uh, Viv Miedemar might be go- joining Leon and then mm. Nikita Paris going the other way. So that would be one of the biggest transfers of the summer. So I think definitely if uh, they can get Viv in, sorry, Arsenal fans, but that would be brilliant for them. And then you can say, you know, Leon are, are wanting to get that uh, Champions League title back. Definitely. Um, I mean, th- that would be... F- that would be a massive, massive transfer. I don't even know how I feel about it. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely have to speak to some of our Arsenal fans that come on the podcast and get their thoughts on that because I feel like it's going to be absolute meltdowns from them. Um, 
I mean, Emily, do you think that this season has proved perhaps what a good signing Paris was, even though she could be departing? Um, because she's been pretty versatile for the team, do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just individually, she's just really, really strong player. Like you said, the versatility is key. Um, I actually didn't know the stat about her and uh, Reynard registering the double figure. So really... Um, I'm a strong believer that the numbers do speak for themselves. Mm. So, you know, when you have a massive gap, like Leon do right now, uh, Reynard's obviously the captain. Um, but then at the same time, Paris is, yeah, she's definitely stepping up, um, filling that role, filling that res- and like taking the responsibility. Um, and for her, I guess it'd be a great time to do it because she has the opportunity to fill that in, in that spot. Um, unfortunately it's because her teammates injured, but for her, it's it's been good, and um, I think she's been a good signing. I I think I'd like to see her go um, and push it a little bit further, personally. Um, but we'll have to wait and see what happens next season, and more importantly, what happens against PSG. Well, yes, this weekend, PSG and Leon face each other. You know, it's the title decider. If PSG draw or win, they would potentially be able to officially end Leon's 14 years of dominance. 14 years, that's insane. Um, and they would claim their first ever league title on the final day of the season, the following weekend. Um, like we've said, massive, massive game. Um, I was wondering if I could get your thoughts, your predictions. Emily, what are you thinking? Uh, I think I might be going with my heart rather than my head here. So I'm going to say PSG is going to edge them. Um, you know, they've, they got the better of them earlier in the season. And then they also managed to do it again in the champions league. Mm-hmm. And I mean, doing it once is immense just because of how big Leon are as a club, but then to do it three times, that's, you know, that's going to be fire for the fuel and it's going to be interesting. So yeah, I have to go with Paris. Um, they're playing in Leon though. So I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. score wise, I'm going to go, for PSG. I think they'll be able to do it. Okay, Nat, what do you reckon? Are you on board? Yeah, I'm going to go 3-2 though, Paris. I think they've sat top of the league for so long and, you know, I'd be be devastated for them, I think, if um, Mm. they didn't win it. So I'm, I'm definitely a Paris fan at the weekend. It's a tough one because it's like I've... Even though, like I say, Leon have won it for 14 years, half of me is like, you know what? Let them have a year off, do you know what I mean? But the other part of me is like, oh, I feel bad for them. There's something wrong with me, I think. Like, I'm literally like, (laughs) I feel really sorry for them if they lose. And then I'm also thinking, like, there is going to be so much determination from them because in their mind, PSG have completely embarrassed them in the Champions League. You know, they've already done them over in the league. If they PSG beat them again, I mean, that is just the final nail in the coffin, in my opinion. So um, a part of me really hopes that Leon do bring it. And I really want to see that um, that power and that passion from them. Um, but I kind of have to agree with you guys in that the, the other half of me doesn't feel sorry for them. And I do, you know, kind of like you, Nat, like I, I want to see... PSG win just because I think it's really good to mix things up and I think like you say they've deserved Mm. it they've been sat at the top for so long I really don't know what to say so I'm going to have to go with as much as I would maybe feel sorry for Leon I just feel like PSG 
I think that they've got, they're going to have it on their side, the fact that they've already managed to do this before, you know, they're probably going to be going into it thinking, I doubt they will be thinking this, but you know, more like, you know, we've done this before, we can do it again, light work, no problem, Um, so yeah, I'm going to go PSG, I'm probably going to go same as you, Emily, 2-1, but I don't know what's going to happen, or it could be very similar to the Bundesliga between Bayern and Wolfsburg, and it ends in a 1-1 draw, and we're all devastated, Um, I don't know, but it's, yeah, it's, massive massive game um and I just hope that for the fans it's a good game I mean even if it's a draw as long as it's a tasty game that's all that matters um finishing off now for our hot topic um I thought I would take inspiration from Emily who had a recent article on the one football app if you don't have the one football app don't know why you don't you need to get it sort yourselves out And you can read articles like Emily's. And of course, you looked at some of the biggest moves in the sport recently. And I just wanted to get your thoughts, Emily. Obviously, you wrote the article um, and your thoughts as well, Nat. Um, And if there's anything else that crops up that you guys want to talk about, feel free. Um, Of course, you know, looking at some news from the UK, um, Chelsea have signed, my apologies if I'm going to butcher her name, um, but Chelsea have signed... Anjek Nguyen from PSV Eindhoven, the 22-year-old Dutch defender, has signed until 2024. Nat, good move from Chelsea? Yeah, definitely. It was a defender I was looking at for Manchester United. Obviously, yeah. she <laughs> she wants um, Champions League football, don't blame her. Um, I think we've seen sort of with Chelsea, when they don't have Magda Eriksson, they can struggle a bit. So I think uh, this is a young defender, you know, promising um assured uh got a lot of experience play for the national team so you know it's a definitely a really good signing for them um and let's see how she copes in uh, WSL it'll be a big step up but I think she can do it she's a really good player yes it will be exciting to see what happens um we, we've spoken about this a little bit um but just wanted to get your thoughts Emily of course with Arsenal Jill Rudd is returning to the Bundesliga she's representing Wolfsburg what did you think of her departure uh, I was actually kind of shocked. I'm not going to lie. Um, and especially, I mean, we already talked about it a little bit before. I think Nat brought it up. But if Viv also leaves, then, yes. you know, these are a lot of influential players I mean, who, I don't know, that could be a big loss for Arsenal. But um, Jill manager as well. Yeah, like that's that's a lot of turnover. But um, this deal specifically... Returning to the Bundesliga, I think that's going to be interesting. Um, notable, too, it's for her rivals. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know, but she was um, with Bayern Munich a few seasons ago, and then now she's with Wolfsburg. So it's going to be interesting to see how she fits in that Wolfsburg team because they have a few staples up front that are, you know, in and out and, like, pretty much playing all the time for them. But we'll have to see. I think Arsenal are just, unfortunately, the losers of this deal. But it was a shock to me when I first uh, when I first saw the announcement. Definitely. And I'm, I'm kind of glad for Wolfsburg because I feel like we've spoken about it on the podcast on previous episodes. There was a little bit of a worry about Wolfsburg because they have lost quite a few good names, obviously. Mm-hmm. There was a worry that perhaps, you know, is this kind of, is the sun setting on uh, on their dominance, shall we say, especially with the way Bayern have been playing. Um, but I think it's a really good statement to kind of say, no, 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 we're not going anywhere close to that horizon or that sunset. We're staying at midday in the sun when it's at its strongest and we're going to be fine. Um, I feel like, yeah, I'm 
quite pleased that they seem to be kind of making that statement definitely um looking at rumors now I'm gonna get your thoughts on this um mm-hmm. and also I've not spoken to you since the Casey Stoney situation and the end of the season where we didn't get Champions League football so I guess getting your thoughts on all three things uh, the third thing being that looking at rumors Manchester United have opened talks with Chelsea for Lauren James. This has been reported by The Athletic. Is this a nightmare? Is this happening? I need you to talk to me about this. Yeah, the Casey news was just, you know, you you know that women's football, they're not, you know, you don't expect them to have Ferraris and driving up, but you just do expect the basics. And obviously with the Casey news, it sort of exposed a lot of things and, Mm. you know, a lot of things that you didn't think would happen seeing as they restarted a team and there's all this aspiration, five-year plan, and so now to hit that she resigned, it was devastated. I was devastated. All the fans were devastated. Um, in terms of Lauren, I do think it's true. I think it's a bit about homesickness and, mm. you know, she's London girl. She wants to go back down there. I not do that worry far. I'm sorry, you know, but I'm not having it. I'm in Berlin. I've not seen my family since January. You've just got to get on with it, Lauren. Sorry, I'm not yeah, having it. No, I agree, I agree, <laughs> I agree. I worry for her, though. I think, yeah. does she play as much at Chelsea? Is she going to be the star? Is she going to get the game that's time? It. I don't think she will, but, you know, if that's what she wants to do, good luck to her. I think what we need to do is uh, maybe look at, see who we can get in from Chelsea. Uh, I think if you're mm. opening talks, I think you should go there. You know, Guru Wrighton's not played a lot. Beth England's not played a lot. So, yes, if you want Lauren, but we want these players. Um, and, you know, if Man United have opened talks, I hope they've opened them that way. Because um, Man United now, like you said, not in Champions League. They need to they need to show that they're serious about women's football. Um, we've seen, we've talked about Juventus. They started a year before us and, you know, they're, they're really full steam ahead. So for Man United now, I, I, we need to see progress and I want to see a top-class manager come in, top-class players coming in, cement that third, get a trophy. Um, but, yeah, it was a horrible end and then you hear all these stories. They don't make it um, seem nice. But I am confident that they will turn it round and they will do better next year. Yeah, I mean, you. I think you, you've just got to be hopeful that things will turn around. I think, um, you know, we could talk about it all night, to be honest, but without getting too much into it, obviously, the current situation at Manchester United with the, the men's team and now, of course, the women's team, um, big eye-opener. I think it was very interesting, the terminology that Edward Wood used, um, that kind of, to me, alluded to the fact that he was trying to say, like, look, we, we've done all right. We've spent some money. It's like, no, 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 mate. It's not about that. It's about the whole structure and the team getting the respect that they deserve, etc. And I just really hope that in losing Casey Stoney, in losing players potentially like Lauren James, because who knows, her issues could be very similar to Casey's. We don't even know. Do you know what I mean? Like that maybe if we do end up having to lose even more, that the club will perhaps wake up. I don't know, but it's... Hopefully. It's stressful. It's stressing me out. Um, and obviously, you know what? As much as I'm throwing shade at Lauren James because it is only a two and a half hour train ride. I know it's been a pandemic, love, but you know what I mean? But if that's what she wants to do, if being in London, um, I totally get homesickness. So um, if that's what she wants, then I think Manchester United fans, I think as 
gutted as we will be because I feel like we've given her our hearts and she's going to stomp on them. Um, but I think on the whole, you know, everyone will be rooting for her to do well. But I just feel like, you know, the history that she's made at Manchester United, I was getting excited and, oh, oh well, maybe it's not to be. Um, I mean... I'm just, I'm just, is it okay if I jump in of here Of course, too? yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, what Nat brought up, the swap, that would be interesting. Maybe... Um, that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, maybe Man U could take Jessie Fleming. She's from Canada. Yes. And unfortunately, she doesn't get, like Nat already mentioned there when talking about Lauren James, she doesn't get as much playing time as Canadian fans like myself would hope for. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because our national team, I love them, obviously, I'm Canadian. Um, that would be a good move in my person, in, in my judgment. So Jessie Fleming to Man United and then Lauren James to Chelsea swap deal who knows for me I think we definitely need to to go in there um with some kind of swap deal option um that would be what I would do or looking at getting a world record fee um anything other than that if you if we just sort of take what they give us then yeah then yeah we can question sort of the aspirations I suppose of the people above uh the, the team and the players etc definitely I mean all of these names that I'm hearing in these swap deals I like maybe you know we'll get a little list together send it over to Man United see if they'll read it and go from there but no I, I agree I feel like a swap deal would definitely it's like you say now it's got to be a swap deal or it's got to be a big money move money that we're going to actually be able to use but I think a swap deal you know getting a, a Chelsea player um that, you know, has been exposed to all of the success Chelsea have been exposed to, um, but giving them that chance of game time and having something to aspire to and getting, you know, into that top three, I think it could be great. Um, and I have got my fingers and toes firmly crossed. Um, looking um, at another English team, it wasn't a great season for Tottenham Hotspurs. And since the season has ended, 11 players have been released at the end of their contracts. One is Rihanna Dean, who was part of the squad that secured promotion to the Women's Super League um, in the 2018-19 season. Australian international defender Alana Kennedy will also be departing. Ex-Arsenal winger Gemma Davison, midfielders Anna uh, Philby, Chloe Peplow, Alicia Sulola, Sulola um, defenders Hannah Godfrey, Siri Worm, goalkeeper Aurora Mikalson, um, forward Lucy Quinn, and Spanish fullback uh, Lucia Leon, who's been at the club since 2013. I mean, that's a big clear out. Emily, is this a good thing for Spurs? Because surely, surely this means that if they're getting rid of all these players, they're making room for some shiny new players. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit hesitant I'm about concerned. this. So if I'm being um, brutally honest, I'm yeah. very concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I saw a conversation on Twitter somewhere um, that I think there's a few other clubs who are doing large overhauls, but 11 players like that's a, like a squad. You, yeah. That's an XI. Like you could potentially just put people on on paper and be like, we're all unfortunately cutting ties. Mm. Um, but the discussion that I saw on Twitter. I think it was a couple days ago or something I forget um, who was talking about it but that's just unfortunately the downside of in some cases short-term contracts mm. you know when you get to the bigger clubs in the top of the table your Chelsea Man City 
um, Manu as well, you know, those contracts are for three seasons, four seasons, depending like the Chelsea signing we just discussed. Um, she's until 2024. Mm. So those ones are set. Unfortunately, in the lower table, um, they're just short ones. I think 11 is a huge, huge turnover. Um, and like you said, Angelina, that means spots to fill, but who exactly is going to fill these spots? I know exactly. that's like a very obvious question. Yeah. But yeah, I'm where, with you where, on like, it. Where are you going to, if you have three spots open in a roster, like, okay, you can fill, you can find three players, but to find 11 potentially, um, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of readjustment in the new season. Um, that's a lot of crossing your fingers that a huge change like this is going to work because, you know, when you swap two or three players, sometimes that takes a while to click. Um, 11, I think I've said it like three times now. It's just massive. Like, I, I don't know. I'm a little hesitant. Mm-hmm. I think for Spurs fans, um, they're going to be excited to see who comes in because they're just going to be looking to improve. I mean, for a club like them, eighth, I believe they're eighth in the table this year, um, just not good enough. So hopefully crossing fingers uh, that the fans will like who comes in, but I'm nervous. I mean, they're going to gonna need about happens. six at least, surely. As, as a yeah. bare minimum, you need six. That's, yeah, for uh, sure. I'd be stressed, you know, I would be. The, <laughs> the only thing that I can kind of liken that to is what I feel is going to happen Um I was thinking about, I was on the uh, the Premier League men's podcast the other day. We were talking about Crystal Palace and Crystal Palace had about 11 players or something that were all had contracts expiring this season. And I was thinking that's a lot of work, isn't it? For clubs, men's teams, women's teams. It's just, it's a lot of work. It's stressful. Um, I mean, the the last two uh, transfers I wanted to talk about, um, or rumour, shall we say, um, well, this isn't a rumour because she spoke to Sky Sports, but Tony Duggan, um, she has confirmed that she will leave Atletico Madrid. Um, she's got a desire to return to the Women's Super League. Nat, where is she going? I heard last year that she, that Everton were interested in her, and mm. I've heard Everton are interested in a lot of forwards, um, so it might not even be Everton. And then we've just talked about 11 players leaving Spurs. Maybe she might go there. I know... You know, Tony Duggan, she, she's got a big pedigree and there's a lot of experience, but she's sort of, for me, I think, been a bit underwhelming at Atletico. Yeah. So, you know, Everton might not be looking at her anymore and, yeah, Spurs or something, somewhere she can inspire those around her, young players, uh, maybe even at West Ham. I know they finished just surviving, but, you know, somewhere like that might be good if they, you know, want to really invest in the women's team again. Leicester coming up into the WSL, someone like that might be good for a lot of their young players. Um, But, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see um, these sort of lionesses coming back to the league. You know, I know we talk about Paris and then Duggan. It would be good to see them back because they have got a lot of history in the WSL. So it'll be the 11th season next year. So it'd be good to see them add to their goal tallies. It would. I think, I feel like Leicester's a good shout. Mm. Um, definitely that would be a good shout. But yeah, it, it will be interesting to see where she goes. And I would probably agree that she hasn't quite set the stage alight um, with Atletico, if I'm being completely honest. So yeah, uh, no disrespect to her whatsoever. Sometimes it happens, do you know what I mean? Um, 
and hopefully, you know, she can uh, regain some, maybe a bit of confidence, you know, maybe a bit of a form and stuff like that back in the Women's Super League, you know, where she's probably got, you know, the comfort of being back in the UK, um, playing in a league that she knows, etc. So yeah, I think that would be good. Um, and finally, um, Le Progress report that Portland Thorns' Lindsay Horan has caught the attention of Leon. Now, she played for PSG for about four years. Emily, do you think she could be returning to France? Honestly, I don't think so. No? No. Um, I mean, Portland's, Horan's just been like an absolute staple. She's a staple for the national team, the U.S. national team. And then for her club, it's it's the same thing as well. Yeah. Um, I think Portland, I mean, they're also having a managerial change as well. Um, Mark Parsons is departing at the end of the season and heading to the Dutch national team to lead them to the Euros and World Cup uh, qualifiers. So I think, you know, for his last season, I don't see her going anywhere. Mm. Um, just because, you know, they have a like a decent relationship because she's been there for, I don't know, personally, I don't know anything about it, obviously. But um, I'm going to assume it's going to be a tight relationship because she's been there for so long. He's mm-hmm. been there for so long. Um, and she's a consistent starter. She, like, runs that midfield. Um like no tomorrow and I don't think really they have anyone to replace her um and I don't believe that report was a swap deal I I believe it was just Haran to Lyon so I don't know if Florence would be getting anybody in return Mm. um but yeah I'm also I don't know I don't know I I don't really see her leaving though I don't think Mm. there's any incentive for her to do so maybe after Parsons leaves from the thorns at the end of the season Mm. but for the time being I think she's going to stay with with them in Portland yeah I guess you know she's already played in France once before if it's Mm -hmm. not to necessarily go there and if it's not that she's got her eyes on a certain title or a certain Champions League etc if she's if she's kind of good kind of ticking that off the bucket list I've played in France you know I'm I'm with Portland I'm happy there um and I guess you know it's only caught the attention doesn't necessarily mean that contact's been made and and things are happening but I guess um all all these rumors and discussions and signings it's very exciting and I think we are definitely set for arguably one of the most exciting transfer windows in women's football in recent years so that is it for today's women's football podcast as always a massive massive thank you to my guests to Emily and Nat for taking part and to all of you for listening as always if you want to get in touch it is podcast at onefootball.com and as always if you want to hear more of our podcast head to the likes of SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music etc to listen to more from us. 